All right, hope everyone's Monday's off to a great start. This is the chatter with Chuck and Houdini. If you're a fan of the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, the season's not off to a good start. That's for sure. Today on the show, Matt Jones, really good interview with the founder, the host of KSR, owns KS Bar and Grill, and talks about a show he's involved with on Netflix called Wrestlers. 24-3, the final score up in Cleveland. Bengals only had 142 yards total. Joe Burrow, who just signed the massive new contract extension but hadn't played in the preseason, went for 82 yards, lowest fantasy points of his career, which hurts my wife big time in her week one matchup against no other than the bald bandit managed by Houdini himself. Uh, Burrow had just three points of fantasy. Terrible. Didn't look like he could grip the ball at a lot of points. The broadcasters were alluding to it. And uh, I think we found Joe Burrow's weakness, man. It's the rain because that was one of the worst games I have ever witnessed in my entire life. And that's not hyperbole. Look at his stat. He went 14 of 31 with 82 yards. I mean, was Craig Krenzel out there playing today? It was, I mean, obviously I'm not panicking or anything, but that was an atrocious through and through. The All you asked for in a week one, especially with, you know, coming off of a Super Bowl appearance and an AFC championship game is maybe one exciting play. That's the worst football game I've seen in a long time. I, even the Browns didn't really have any good plays. It, it was just an atrocious effort through and through. I'm disgusted, but we're we're on to Baltimore. We're on to Baltimore, who won the game today. The Ravens did over the Texans big, but they lost J.K. Dobbins again. And he just continues to be a story of when he's on the field, he's pretty electric. But how many plays have we seen J.K. Dobbins at this point in his career? It's far and few between. If you have him on your fantasy team by week three, you're missing a running back. So uh, that, that's tough there. But when you mentioned uh, no exciting plays. There was the Dax Hill interception after McPherson hit a field goal to make it 10-3. That gave the Bengals some life. And then from there, the offensive line wasn't great. Uh, T. Higgins didn't have a single catch. That's brutal. This is one we just put put behind us. We, we, we get rid of it. I hope you had a lot to drink today and you don't remember the entire second half because nothing happened in the second half. Um, actually, a field goal happened to start the second half. So more happened in the second half, technically, than the first half. You, you can't panic, though, in, in a game like this. You look at the 49ers last year who ended up making the NFC Championship game. They had a week one slop fest. Uh, the, the lunch lady, cue her up. I made an extra sloppy for you. They had that week one against the Chicago Bears last year and lost and figured it out. The only difference was they shuffled quarterbacks all year. The Bengals are going with Joe Burrow. He just looked atrocious, but it's a battle of attrition, and the proof is in the pudding. Joe Burrow is a really good quarterback, so I'm not too worried. Um, it's a week one loss to a team that you've lost to consistently in the last year. The panic meter is still at a low one. Right, and I mean – Burrow, no preseason again, essentially, and he's been known to start slow if he doesn't get those reps in. But, I mean, the Browns fucking own the Cincinnati Bengals. There's no way to sugarcoat it. They have completely dominated us for a second. I thought it was just the Baker Mayfield magic somehow, but it it, it doesn't matter. Apparently, when we play the Cleveland Browns, it, it's a long shot to win, even if we are the better team. And for all we know, the Browns, I mean, they have a pretty – loaded roster they could end up being a very good team this year um but no way no other way to slice that that was a uh just a disgusting performance i mean yeah t higgins had 
eight targets, zero catches, and Burrow went for 80 yards. I don't. I never thought I'd say those words in my life. So here we are. Um, Burrow, highest paid player in NFL history. Who's going to be the one to write the article on on Monday saying worst contract in NFL history? Is there a quarterback controversy in Cincinnati? My money's on Jay Mariotti. I could see him throwing something like that out there. Um, but we'll, we'll leave that to him, but no, I'm not, I'm not panicking either. Um, you know, if we get the, we started out Oh, and two last year, right. Um, if we get the doors blown off on us against Baltimore, then maybe I'll start talking, but right now tough loss, move on. You're going with Jay Mariotti, a former Bobcat. I could see it being, um, Nick Wright. I could see Nick Wright coming out there tomorrow saying Joe Burrow. What, what are they doing? They could have got Trey Lance. <laughs> Nick Wright, Nick Wright will. That's actually probably more accurate, or at least that we'll know that Nick Wright did it. Because if Jay Mariotti wrote anything, I don't think anyone would really know. And Nick Wright, first off, just needs to cut his hair. I don't know if you've seen him lately. It's it's an atrocious crime against humanity, what he's doing with his haircut. Um, and he's a diehard Chiefs guy. So we'll see what he does on whatever his show is called on Fox. It's a, it's a decent show. I don't, I don't hate Nick Wright, but he's a... Kansas City apologist thinks uh, Patrick Mahomes has got himself, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. On the chatter, we brainstorm. It's what we do. Houdini and I sometimes on, on Saturday nights while he's out at the local watering hole and I'm sitting at home doing absolutely nothing because I have zero life except stacking together rundowns, I sent him ideas. And one we came up with, the MySpace Top 5. Oh, where are all my 90s kids at out there? Uh, everyone remembers MySpace that was born in the 90s, of course. It was the original Facebook from 2003 to 2008 before Zuckerberg came in and kicked Tom's ass. He said, Tom, get the hell out of here. Anyways, you had top eight friends that you could choose from, which probably led to a lot of kids. Oh, I, I thought... I thought Jocelyn was my girlfriend. No, Jocelyn actually has you seventh on her top friends, you, you chump. So we're not going to do top eight topics because if we did that, we'd be here all day. So we're doing the MySpace top five. Today's MySpace top five, not Disney Channel original movies. We are going with video games. So I'll start us off with number five, Crazy Taxi. Uh, a great game that you could play oh. at, you know, some of the pubs back in the day. Uh, the, the taxi driver was literally insane. He had just done a bunch of speed, apparently, and was flying through the streets of New York, San Francisco, whatever map you chose. Um, popping wheelies, flying 300 feet in the air, hitting people. It had a little bit of Grand Theft Auto in it. But the only thing I remember about the game was it was literally impossible. Now, I don't know about everyone. But they would add like an extra 10 seconds on and you could go for up to like 10 minutes if you just kept, you know, beating these levels and adding on time. It was a hard game. I couldn't remember getting past like the second level. Yeah, you don't strike me as a guy that would be good. What, what was that? What was it called again? Just Taxi Driver? Crazy Taxi. Great that game. That was a great game. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. I, I honestly completely forgot about that as an entire game. But phenomenal game. Yeah, the guy was just cracked out riding 180 through uh, like basically San Francisco. Phenomenal game. Um, my five though is going to be the Sims, just general, the Sims. I'm sure you're, you're looking at me like you've never heard of this, Chuck. You ever heard no, of the I've Sims? Heard, I know the Sims. I know pretty, the Sims. That was where you found popular. out about anatomy. That was where you found exactly. out about anatomy, Houdini. 
it was it was it's up there and I, i'll throw in like roller coaster tycoon as part of the sims it was all under the same umbrella where you could just make the son of beast or whatever and you had to set up the bathrooms the whole nine it was kind of the, son the beginning of, beast, of creating biggest your- bust in cincinnati history biggest bust in cincinnati history the son of beast i just had to get that out there there were lines for like seven hours the first day it came out it was the only wooden roller coaster in the world with a loop it was supposed to be a new era and it didn't outlast the beast. It uh, it, it, it faltered sucked. quickly. You basically waited an hour to get to get a fucking migraine. You'd be concussed, oh. and you'd come off, and like you're you're like your parents. Did you did you love it? I'd be like, that was the worst experience of my entire life. Let me go do the racer backwards for the eighth time in a row today. Um, number four, we will go with NFL Blitz. Oh, you can jump on people, dogpile them after the play's over. You can uh, quarterback sneak for a consistent 35 yards every single time. You can hurdle people. You can truck them. Uh, Not realistic whatsoever, and it doesn't matter which team you are. I mean, whether you're Steve Blake in the uh, Jeff Blake and the Steve Blake shout out Maryland Terps Jeff Blake in the New Orleans Saints or whether you're Achilles Smith in the Cincinnati Bengals or Kurt Warner in the Rams it didn't matter I mean all that mattered at the end of the day was what play you picked throwing some to bombs and Hail Marys and tackling people before they caught it so number four NFL blitz and, and while I say that mm. um, let, let's go NBA Showtime goes in with that one they're lumped together it's both midway damn those are two phenomenal picks. I did have blitz on my board, so we will we'll regroup. We'll regroup and make a, even a better pick. Um, I'm gonna go with Grand Theft Auto Three. That was a top tier. I actually had to check this. I assume this was like 2008 or nine. It was actually like 03. So I must have gotten this when I was like 10 which under no circumstance should I have been allowed to buy this game. It's like the first time anybody saw boobs. You could pick up hookers and pay them like 80 bucks. It, it was, it was truly how way ahead of its time. I must've been 10 years old. This thing came out in like Oh three. I think I told my mom it was only rated M for mature because there was uh there was some gun usage. That was about it. But in reality, you could literally do whatever you wanted in that game, but God bless Grand Theft Auto three phenomenal game. That's a good pick. I'm going number three. Um, let's go Diddy Kong Racing. Uh, wonderful game. You could race in the car, the hovercraft, the plane. Uh, Whiz Pig was just about impossible to beat. I played that game for years and was never able to face Whiz Pig in space. The people that that beat Whiz Pig out there, I want to know what they're doing. They probably work at Apple. They work at Google. They're building this artificial intelligence right now because Whiz Pig, to me, was unbeatable. I just couldn't do it, man. It was, it was, it was tough. I bet you those guys are still playing that game. They're probably not doing anything special right now. Chuck, um, <laughs> number three for me is crash bandicoot. Very underrated people. I know a lot of people are going to say three. That's too high. That's too high. It is not. It's perfectly ranked. Um, crash bandicoot was phenomenal. I actually bought it again. Because now with like PS4 or whatever, you can download shit. And I bought it during COVID when my little sister had uh, COVID and my mom shipped her off to live with me in my apartment for some odd reason. Why that happened, we can talk about that later. Uh, Crash Bandicoot still plays to this day. So it's still a phenomenal game even to this day. So if you're ever bored, Crash Bandicoot. I wish I could take back my pick because on the board right now is Mario Kart and I can't do it. I can't have two racing games. And the fact that I went with Diddy Kong racing over Mario Kart, which gives so many grown men and women with Birio Kart, 
It gives them pleasure. The fact that I have Diddy Kong Racing and Wizpig sitting there, I think I probably just lost, but I'm going to save it with number two, the best on the board. I don't want you to take it. James Bond Nightfire. Oh, you pick up knickknack and odd job. You're a little three foot guy running around or your odd job with the hat trying to fling people or you're just throwing hands, you know, your guns out of ammo. The only thing you have left is a grapple and throwing hands. But that's a uh, it's great one player mode. It's awesome to play at the, the snowy venue. Incredible game that I still have for the original Xbox. And I busted out from time to time the night before Thanksgiving after a long night at ML Dudes. Number two, James Bond Nightfire. My God, there's so many games I forgot about. I'm kind of getting pissed off. Um, that's a solid pick. I mean, you're still losing, but the temps here. My number two, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. Okay? This was phenomenal. I would just get locked in and listen. To the Honestly, the soundtrack was what really made this thing pop because you could get in that little warehouse and go over that massive whatever the hell. We need a skater to really talk about what we were doing. But you could like grind on a rail for legitimately 200 yards straight sometimes. Um, but overall, fantastic game. One of my favorites. This is where it gets tough, man. There's one spot to go. We have sports. We have sports available. Could we go with NBA Live, one of the early games, like 01 or 02, mm. where you could create full teams and players? I would always have blue hair. That's a uh, never had blue hair in real life, but as a five-year-old creating myself in video games, blue hair and a lot of tattoos, two things I don't have. So I had a dream one day of, of being like you, Houdini, at least with the uh, the tattoos, not with the blue hair. Um, there are just so many games, Kobe Bryant's courtside, but I, I got to go with one of the N64 games and I'm going to go with not, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Mario 64, one player game, but incredible. You jump through the pictures, you head to Lava Land. Uh, the penguins are trying to steal your hat. You have a monkey trying to steal your hat. There's a rabbit running around that you have to catch for some reason, because I think he stole your hat. You get stars by talking to random toads. You have to take down Bowser three times. And how about the course that, uh, I guess it's one of the snowy places with the penguins. It's the one where you race the penguin down the slide. How about the fact that at that same course, you can just take a, a penguin's Take a penguin's daughter, basically, and treat it as a hostage situation where you could literally just throw this penguin over the cliff. I mean, the fact that N64 allowed it. I mean, Peter, Peter was going nuts in 97 about that. I mean, that's crazy. Nintendo, what were you thinking? I, I think I screwed up here doing that number one because I think I know what you're going with number one. I think I screwed up. I, I'm just now realizing it. Obviously, I should have taken... Uh a little bit more time putting together my top five because honestly i don't even fucking like the sims i i thought that was gonna be a crowd favorite so that's why i threw it in but now i'm realizing there's like three of them i'm going super smash bros oh for number i had one. that one in audible last um, second and that was a massive debate <laughs> between mario party which i think is a, a, just a fantastic game and one that i completely forgot about um backyard baseball unbelievable yeah. game i mean one of my kenny kawaguchi are you kidding me alicia the phillips or whatever her name was yeah yes yep josinda smith Pete, the, Joe Joe Sanders, Sanders smith the humongous God. melon heads win 
Steel bounced third. Mikey Thomas shortly behind. And here comes Ricky Johnson, your player of the game. And of course, the secret weapon, Pablo Sanchez, the wheels of Pete Wheeler. Yes, I. that is obviously a top God. five game that I didn't throw on there. And another one That's was MVP baseball. Yeah, MVP baseball, MLB slugfest. And it's tough, Houdini, because I, I'm going to ask the people what they think on the Instagram, who wins. And my number one was going to be Super Smash, but I saw Mario 64 sitting there and Super Smash, and it's a personal thing. You know, it's all relative. There's there's no winners and losers here, in my opinion. And I, I just, last second, I had to go number one, Mario 64. It brought me a lot of joy, as did Super Smash, and uh, that should have been on my list, but I, I screwed up at the end of the day. That Diddy Kong Racing at number three. I had a lot of picks on the board. That was like the Browns taking Manziel. I panicked. I absolutely panicked. Yeah, I did too. I absolutely, I, I took, taking the Sims, I feel like I just took, I just drafted John Ross. I really do. So um, hopefully the people can forgive me, but mentally just added backyard baseball in that top five for me. Well, that's what makes the uh, the MySpace top five such a wonderful game because you have to allocate your picks. And if you're running low, I mean, like, I mean, not everything's a video game. You know, sometimes we, we may have something that's a little more difficult to think up on the spot. Houdini's controlling and moderating one day, and he decides to go with, you know, Disney Channel original movies. I think we may have actually already recorded that. Houdini kicked my ass. And I had three younger sisters, but he just absolutely came in with force. He had the upper hand because he specifically brought up the topic and, uh, he had home court advantage, essentially. He had the refs on his side. He had Tim Donahue on his side as they were shaving points, and it just turned into a mess. Let's just say he took my two and my one picks late. I had nothing left on the board, and I panicked. I had to go to uh, a tough one for number one on the list, but we'll get that one out there next. All right, we welcome on very special guest, Matt Jones. We had said last time, Sean Salisbury, big-time guest. How do we top him? It's debatable. It's up for air right now. It's up for grabs. But Matt Jones may be the biggest guest we've ever had on the program. He is the creator and host of KSR and owner of KS Bar and Grill. A, uh, from a small town of eastern Kentucky, known as the Athens of the Mountains, Middlesbrough, Kentucky, and has just built really a collegiate sports media empire. But I guess I got to ask right out of the gate, Matt, I see the uh, Detroit Lions sweatshirt on. We're recording this right before Lions Chiefs. I was under the impression you were a Bears fan. I am, but like, I don't, I, I, I don't really hate any NFL teams. All of my hate is for Louisville and Tennessee and Duke. And so I don't have time to hate professional teams. So I just, every time... We host Thursday night football at my bar, and I always try to wear a hoodie of one of the teams that's playing just to uh, to participate. But you missed OVW owner, which is what I'm wanting to promote, which is the documentary that comes out next week. So we'll get into that in a little. That's a little tease right there. We're, we're saving that for last. That's the grand finale. So we're promoting everything he's doing with his new show. Um, so from Middlesbrough, Kentucky. 20 years ago, about 20 years ago, we'll, we'll round up to an even 20 at this point for the sake of the show. You start Kentucky Sports Radio uh, while you're in law school, and it turns into what it is now, which is massive. Just a rabid Kentucky fan base to the point where, you know, Tony Basilio down in Tennessee is hosting these postgame shows, and you have just thousands of 
of KSR listeners that pop over to his page and just ruin his broadcast and force him to get off the air. So it's good stuff overall. But I want to ask you right out of the gate, when you started this thing about 20 years ago, did you think that this was a possibility, anything remotely close to this? No, of course not. I mean, uh, first of all, 20 years sounds like a long time. Uh, I'm going to say 18 because it doesn't make me feel as old. Uh, by the way, Basilio, I, I I don't try to ruin his shows. I find him to be like insane. And that's why I like going on there because he just says crazy stuff. Um, but uh, no, I mean, I started it in 2005. You got to remember that's like pre-social media. It, blogs were kind of the thing. And so I thought maybe I can do something fun. I never thought it would be a career. I never thought, I certainly never thought it would lead to me doing ESPN or any of the things that have happened since then. I just wanted to write on a website with my friends. And again, people who didn't live in that era don't really realize, but back then, you know, everybody has a Twitter account now, like everybody kind of did a blog, not everybody, but a lot of people did. And so I just decided to do one. And it slowly took off over time, and, and then everything else happened afterwards. And so I actually just so happened to see an interview that you had. I'm not sure exactly when it was, but my Instagram algorithm had a bunch of Matt Jones stuff popping up, probably because we are having you on here shortly. Um, and you had mentioned there was a couple of players. I'm not – was it DeMarcus Cousins maybe in the John Wall yeah. era that – Yeah. Could you tell us kind of the – yeah, how that started, I guess, when you started getting some traction? Sounded like those guys yeah, threw you so a bone there. So, again, 2008, 2009, Billy Gillespie's the coach at Kentucky. My site is starting to really take off. And then Cal comes and everything kind of changes. I think 2009, 2010, it was a huge change at the University of Kentucky, but also there was a big change happening kind of in society. Social media, especially Twitter and Instagram, were starting to kind of become a thing, but they weren't yet. And so... I met DeMarcus Cousins, John Wall. I knew Patrick Patterson from before. And those Calipari really wanted those guys to connect with fans and to sort of – Calipari was on the forefront of people sort of having brands, right? And those guys kind of realized that they could send us pictures or give us information that maybe they couldn't give to other – didn't want to give to other media members. And it allowed us to have sort of behind-the-scenes info. Now – now they would just put all that stuff on their own social media, but that didn't really exist then. So, and that was a huge part of our growth. All of a sudden, you know, the best information was on KSR and a lot of it was coming from those guys. And then Cal's daughters, Cal has two daughters that at the time, one of them was in just out of college. And I think one of them was in college and they both really thought Drew and I and TJ were funny. And so they they kind of encouraged their dad to work with us. And all of those things sort of came together to really, that first year of Cal, the John Wall year, the site took off and so did my career. So many people in the industry want to go down the, the beaten path because it's hard not to. You know, you get into local TV or your local radio station and you kind of or buy the book. You do and say you're a company man, essentially. You were always your own company, man. You, you've always been outspoken on, you know, what you believe in. You say what you want. You don't let anyone hold you back, which is a very respectful thing, by the way. Where did you get that approach? Well, I'm just not very good at, like, being quiet, to be honest with you. I mean, I you can go back to when I was in 
high school and and I would get on my little report cards talks too much. I mean, I always sort of, uh, you know, I was always somebody who just wanted to, who expressed his opinion. Um, You know, again, it was like a different time. Okay. So when I started the, the regular jobs, newspapers, TV, radio, I tried to get them. But nobody wanted to give me. I mean, I went to every radio station in Lexington and Louisville and offered to do a show for free. I said, look, I think I'd be good at this. Will you give me a show? And they all said no. And I said, because back then people didn't do fan shows, really. Like everybody was supposed to be objective. And I said, look, let's have a show that's for Kentucky fans. And everybody said, no, we don't do that. So then I was like, well, screw it. I'll just start one myself. And I put it on a pot on podcast. Podcasts were really just starting. I may have been the first podcast in Kentucky. And, you know, as those mediums were growing, blogs, podcasts, social media, I was kind of on them before everybody else. I might have been the first person in Kentucky in the sports world on Twitter. Um, so those things kind of helped as well. As people discovered podcasts, as people discovered blogs, as they discovered uh, social media, I was kind of on there. And that was a, so when people say to me now, well, how could I have the success that you did? You can't do the same thing. Like what I did wouldn't work now. Like now you got to do something completely different. Maybe you got to be on TikTok or some other kind of thing than what we did back in the day. Yeah. And um, just a little snippet. So I've actually, I lived in Lexington for a little bit, lived in Louisville for a little bit. So I've seen kind of both sides of we are the biggest fans of Matt Jones in the history of mankind, and we're anti-Matt Jones. But one of the funniest things, and I'm probably going against all podcasting rules here by mentioning another podcast, but pardon my take. When uh, How did you guys end up letting those two guys get on KSR and talk with the, you know, the, the diehard UK fans? Because we get some of the funniest content just hearing those. I'm just curious how you let them on and – kind of what, um, after they get off, what the uh, KSR fans actually think. Yeah, so I I take a, like, three-week vacation every year, and I decided one year, about eight years ago, I think 2015 or so, I was like, you know, I want to try something different. Rather than just have my co-host host, I'm going to try to bring in celebrity guest hosts. And so I brought in a lot of people the at the time that were kind of big names, but part of my take was kind of just getting started. It had a niche audience, but it wasn't the f- force it is now. So I asked them to do it. They didn't know who I was. They had never been asked to do a radio show before. And so they said, oh, that'd be awesome. We've never hosted a radio show. Well, in between when I asked them and when they host, that whole Harambee thing happened in Cincinnati. And, like, they blew up because of that. I mean, literally, that that was the thing that blew them up. They became massive because of that, and they had already agreed to do my show. Well, they do it. The content's obviously great. And then everybody asked them to do it, and they just made the decision, you know what? This guy asked us before anybody else, before anybody knew who we were, so we're going to do his show and none others. So every year I bring him on. And it was one of those things, it was a lucky break. I asked, when I asked them, there was probably no one I asked that was less known than them. And now they're by far the biggest people who ever agree to do my show. So it's just one of those things. Hey, you hit the nail on the head there. No, they're they're, they're a riot when they get on there. 
Uh, how about UK hoops, John Calipari after then the way I look at it, Matt, because I obviously covered them really closely the, the three years I was there and they had these good teams every year. Um, the team that lost to Auburn in the elite eight, uh, the year after they, they could have potentially been a final four team with Tyrese Maxey, but COVID hits. And since then, uh, the, the year Sheboy was national player of the year where they lose to St. Peter's afterwards, or I guess the year before that, they were just no good in general and didn't make the tournament. And then this previous year where they were just, you know, whatever all year. Is this a time where John Calipari seriously on the hot seat or is that just inconceivable? Yeah, there's a part of my take conversation. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, hot seat is relative. He's still got like six years on his contract, so they can't really fire him. But I do think the situation would get so nasty that, like, he if it was bad this year, he might decide he doesn't want to do it anymore. Um, I think they're going to be good this year, though. I really do. I think a lot of the problems of the last few years he's addressed, he has real talent on the team. He hasn't really had – I mean, he's only had two NBA first-round picks in the last three years. I know that doesn't sound – like, for a lot of teams, they'd love that. But he's used to having three or four every year. Um, and so he's got that again. So I, I, I think they're going to be good, but no, I mean, there's a lot of cows. There's a lot of pressure on Cal, no doubt. I mean, he, he has, these last three years have been underwhelming. You get the worst year in school history. You get the worst tournament loss in school history. And then the next year you lose in the second round and it's kind of a middling year. So I do think there's a lot of pressure on him to do well this year. You got it. Since I, I did live in Kentucky for a little bit, you got a lot of uh, sway as far as kind of general opinion. Um, if we could just get a small sound bite saying they got to go to the Final Four or Cal is out. I'm not doing all right, that. All right, we tried. We went. Yeah, for I'm it. not doing that. Oh, he, he might have just yeah. left. <laughs> no, no, I'm here. I'm not doing that. He he uh, oh. he needs to he needs to do well. But I, you know. I like Cal. People now think I don't. People used to say I was, when, when Charlie was here, everybody thought I was like too in favor of him. And now apparently I hate him. I'm just saying, listen, they went nine and 16. What am I supposed to do? Say they were good? I mean, like it is what it is. So, uh, but I do think, I do genuinely think they will be good this season. I actually think they're oddly underrated because of how bad they've been the last three years. I think they'll be one of the four or five most talented teams in the country. All right, before we get into the new project you're working on, I got to ask you, you're one of the biggest Scott Shedler fans in the United States of America. You pick a Reds player every year that you just love to hate on. Shedler was the one. Uh, you can't really hate on anyone this year with yeah, how well they've been playing I, as compared to I the got experts. one. I got one I hate. Derek Give Law. Can't stand Derek Law. Every year there's got to be somebody in the bullpen that I can't take. And this year it's Derek Law. He, here's what I don't like about Derek Law. Nobody looks less like an athlete than Derek Law. He looks like me out there. I mean, he doesn't look like a dude who should be playing sports. Jabot is kind of chubby, but I think he's like a lovable chubby. Whereas Derek Law just looks like a dork. And then I was at a baseball game. The Reds had me like run around on the Redzilla. And I looked and it was the middle of the game. Derek Law was playing basketball, like shooting basketball. And I, for some reason, I didn't like that. So I'm anti-Derek Law this year. Yeah, they always have someone. All right, tell me about the project, Matt, before we get you out of here. So uh, Wednesday, the 13th of September, the director of Last Chance You and Cheer, his new show is called Wrestlers, and it follows the professional wrestling organization that I own. I bought OVW, which... If you're a wrestling fan, you may know that's where John Cena, Brock Lesnar, 
Batista, Randy Orton, they all started at OVW. Uh, it kind of fell into some disrepair. We bought it. We've been trying to rebuild it. And the, and Netflix came and basically spent four months with us, chronicling us trying to make it. And, you know, if you've seen Cheer and Last Chance You, you know what those shows are. This is going to be a wrestling version of it. Um, it's exciting. It's nerve-wracking. I haven't seen it since I'm one of the people in it. I don't get to see it. So it's going to come out in six days, and, I, and I, it looks like I'm going to be the villain on the show. But you know what? Uh, if that's what it takes to make it work, we'll do it. And I, I'm really excited. I think it's going to be absolutely great. The early reviews have been amazing, and I think it's going to be uh, a big hit. I would imagine you're watching it at your own bar, which uh, if you don't know, KS Bar and Grill out there on, is it Nicholasville Road? Am I? Do I remember that right? No, it's, uh, it's off Broadway. That's off-Broadway. Okay, so KS Bar and Grill, off-Broadway. Get the cheese logs, everyone, if he still has it on the menu. Bigger than uh, bigger than Shigari Aline. I think that was the description on the menu. They're, I'm a big cheese stick connoisseur, and they're one of the, the thickest, cheesiest, best cheese sticks I've had in quite some time. And the Chili Gillespie, that's a good one, that uh, that Alan Cutler chased down the hallway. Um, but I'm, I'm a, I imagine you're going to be watching the show at the bar with with some friends. No, I'm watching it by myself uh, just to make sure in case it's, yeah, I mean, I can't, listen, I mean, they told me, they were like, by the end of the show, everybody will love you, but you have a rough episode one and two, and so I'm definitely going to watch one and two, probably hiding under a couch, hoping that I don't look like the biggest jerk in the world. Well, that's the what show you watch looks good. Far. I must say. It's loud yeah. in there. You don't yeah. have to see what people are saying about you. You just see the good parts of you, you know, the facial expressions and everything and record it for after. But no, that's good stuff. Enjoy it. That's Matt Jones from Kentucky Sports Radio spending some time on the chatter today. Appreciate you, Matt. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. How about on the train? Are you on the train with eating foods at an open house or a car dealership or taking the Tootsie Rolls at Planet Fitness or the therapist office, whatever it may be? Are you into eating the free stuff on or off the train? Again, a lot of variables here. Typically, I'm off the train. So and I've been a staunch believer in like a potluck at work. If, you know, Deborah's bringing in the buffalo chicken dip and somebody's got their homemade lasagna or something. I need a name tag on each one of these dishes, okay? Because I don't want to ra- I don't I won't eat it if I know somebody in particular made it. You know, like I don't want like Scott from HR. He made, you know, his barbacoa. I've seen the guy fart on his hands, okay? And I know he's doing it and he's he's muscling around in that barbacoa meat. So Scott, I won't eat any it, homemade. Scott. Yeah, I'll be like, oh, this is delicious. Who made this? Like, oh, that's Scott from HR. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Um, little smoky flavor. But, um, yeah, in general, if it's like a pre-made something bought from a store, like Tootsie Rolls, whatever, if it's those little sandwiches that you can buy from a, a store that are pre-made, I'll eat those. The homemade stuff I won't touch. So that's kind of my general rule. If it's homemade – Last thing I want to do is pull out a big hair or something. Just I can't handle it. So that that's kind of my general take. What sparked up this conversation? Because I'm a thousand percent on the train. 
when it comes to the open house of the car dealership. Uh, my wife, Kylan, when we were looking for just a temporary spot, because as I mentioned, the, the Oakland days, we were getting ready to move to Chicago and the Oakland days came up last second and she just continues to get work out here. So it's like, all right, well, we'll stay out here while I kind of hit the ground running in, in Chicago doing my thing. And so we're out here picking out a place for her to live. And we walk into the open house or not the open house, but the, the, what, what do you call it? The property manager's office, basically, where she gives you the card and takes you on the tour in the golf cart. One of those, I walk in and immediately see a, a plate of cookies and I see a bowl of clementines. Now me being health conscientious, I told you about my affection for Barry's boot camp. I'm going clementine, baby. I don't want scurvy. I need my vitamin C. So I pick up the clementine, start peeling it. She was already kind of pissed off in the first place because we were running late and this apartment kind of sucked. I mean, it's short term, so we're not buying the, the best apartment in the Bay Area. It's the cheapest thing out here is literally three grand a month to, to live a lower income apartment, which is insanity. And that's a conversation for another day. But I pick up the clementine, peel it and take a bite. And she says, what the hell are you doing? You're disgusting me right now. People don't grab those. People don't grab the clementines and sit there. They could have been sitting there for three months. I'm like, well, it doesn't have algae on it. It doesn't have fungus on it. Like, I'm pretty sure they filled up the clementines within the last two days. These are fresh clementines. I am getting my vitamin C intake. Unlike the pill that you have to take or the gummy that you have to take to get your vitamin C. I mean, it through a clementine and it's free. If it's free, it's for me. The person didn't bat an eye. I'm there to potentially live in their place. Spoiler alert. We didn't. So I technically stole that clementine, but I'm absolutely on the train. If you're going to put it out there, you expect me to eat it, baby. You expect Mooch to come through and unpeel that clementine. That's just my take. Everyone can feel differently wow. about it. Wow. I mean, this just explains a lot. I always, I literally, you're talking about the, the apartment, like clubhouse where they, I've always wondered who the fuck eats the fruit bowl that they have here. I'm like, nobody has ever walked in here. Like, Oh, let me grab a banana before I visit or walk around the apartment complex or do anything inside the apartment clubhouse. So you're the guy, I guess there is a small part of this population that is going into public entities in essentially taking from the fruit basket. So I'm not even mad at it, at least from based on my perspective that the Clementine is it's wrapped up. So it's not, it can't be physically grimy from whoever was handling it at any point. So you're good there. Um, I'm just a little astonished because I really did. I go, nobody's ever eaten one. It's the first person I've ever heard of, but um, it's, it's like a dad move on your end big time. I could see Tim, the farmer, okay. doing that. Free, free clementines? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you got to buy them by the bag at the grocery store. They're like four ninety nine. so I'm getting the value play there, just eating my one. I was getting ready to go in for a second handful and a cookie and grab the water. I mean, it's there for the taking. She's like, dude, normal people don't come in here and take this stuff. And I'm like, who says I'm normal? I'm at this tour, and I'm going to do it. So I'm on the train. Eat away, folks. Eat away. The apartment lady was probably like, Right after he left, she was like, to other coworkers, Scott, you got to hear this. I, there was an absolute animal in here today. He was eating the clementines. He's like, the clementine, the one in the bowl for the last six months, he was eating the clementines. 
it's it's basically got protection, as you said. It's you're handling it with gloves when you have the shell casing. As long as you peel it off and, and throw it away and sanitize right before you eat it, because obviously the germs are on the casing, you're good to go. And it's not like people are going in there juggling the clementines. No one's grabbing it. Like you said, you said who the hell is eating the clementine? Who the hell is grabbing the clementine? Even a weirder move would be if someone went in there, handled the clementine, and then put it back. That would be grounds for divorce. If I did that, my wife would be like, why did you just pick up the clementine, feel its shape, squeeze it, and put it back in the bowl? So that would be a little odd. I think eating the clementine, it's a fine move. Yeah, I think it's a a fine move. You eat the clementines. Listener questions. uh, Save Karens. Great name, Save Karens. She says... I recently saw a college graduate of mine still manning the weekend shift at the bar at age 33. How much would you two have to be paid to move back to college and not go back in time, but literally pick up your, she said, your cooked 30 year old bodies. Okay. Not nice. Save Karen and work a bar. How much would it take you to to get up right now and head back to Athens, Ohio to man up the bar at, at J bar. Mm. Athens is a unique college town though because you could do this in columbus and it's not there's other stuff going on you know in in athens there's just there's basically 68 bars and a long john silvers that that's all there is to do there the movie the fun bar and i guess you can watch a, a film every now and again but athens is very unique where i think i would mentally lose my mind if i was still there bartending because that's every night. I mean, it's, it's packed on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it never ends. So I think I would need, I mean, if you gave me 200 grand just to say, Hey, go to this bar and get drunk and and be the manager of the, whatever the CI, it'd be tempting. I'd have to think about it, but I'd probably say, no, I'd probably have to do a half a million dollars. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking a half million is a number because at that point, if they're, if you're getting paid a half million, to live in Athens with where their real estate's at right now. And it's the home of Joe Burrow. So you can hit up the Joe Burrow shrines and maybe you can finagle the right bar to where you're working at like an alumni bar. That's not as packed every single night. But if you're talking like the core four on court street, like a CI or a crystal or a poppers for those of you that are OU people, do you have to work there right now? Throw me back in and be on the battlegrounds every single night, cleaning up puke and just walking into those toilets and the floors being sticky and having to stay there till 5 a.m. I'd say probably half a million dollars. I think I could suffer for 365 um, to make half a million, put a lot of that money away and then be set for the years to come. And, you know, as long as it didn't take me out on the spot, I mean, there may be a chance that I wouldn't survive the 365 and I'd be a townie. I mean, that's a possibility, too. Right. That's the, the health is definitely part of it. Cause I, there's a chance that I would die in like month two at this point, I thought I was going to die by my senior year. I was like, I can't be in this town any longer. I have to fucking leave. So, but that was to your point though, if it's only for a single year and I know that's the end goal, I think I could do it for shit. I'd do it for a hundred grand easy. 75 grand just for one singular year. And I can act like I'm on vacation in Athens. Sign me up. Fair enough. This is our last segment of the day, Houdini. You had no idea this was coming. We're calling our shot right now. This is the Babe Ruth calling our shot of what guest we're going to get on this show in the next 365 days. I'm talking oddball, C-list celebrities that we're going to call our shot and somehow find a way to get them on our show. I'll start it off with Captain Lee. 
from Below Deck. And for anyone out there that watches Below Deck, wonderful show. Captain Lee, the older guy that's on every season and has to deal with a bunch of drunk assholes and is just the consummate professional. We'd love to have him on the show. I'm calling my shot. Captain Lee, if anyone out there knows Captain Lee, tell him to contact the Chatter Podcast because he's coming on the show in the next 365. Do you have anyone that you'd like to call your shot for? Yeah, we're gonna we'll get McConaughey um, on the show within the next 365 days. Lock it in. Okay, I said uh, C-list celebrity. You said screw that. We're going we're for the going, big boys here. We get on Salisbury. We get on Matt brother. Jones. Yeah, Salisbury's bigger than than McConaughey, bro. Salisbury's bigger. He would. What do you talk about? He did freaking uh, battle bots. Tell me he's not as big as McConaughey. You're crazy. Battlebots, uh, longest yard, the bench warmers. How can you not forget his line in the bench warmers? And for those of you that haven't heard our Sean Salisbury interview, go back right now and, and listen to that one because he had great stuff on Joe Burrow, uh, state of the NIL, the Pac-12 crumbling, and then just his relationship with Adam Sandler and some good Sandler stories. But his great line in the bench warmers was, "You think you're hot shit because you know words." That's a good one from Sean Salisbury, and we share it with you today. I, I think we end on that note, Houdini. Could we get Jesse Palmer? He's kind okay. of, I get he's probably closer to B list doing the Bachelor now, but I, there's probably a potential that you know somebody that knows him, so he might be more realistic. You threw me on the spot. McConaughey's my guy. That's who I want on. That's the white whale, really. Um, but Jesse Palmer, maybe. Jesse Palmer. All right. He's calling a shot. He's pointing to the moon. Jesse Palmer's coming on the podcast along with Captain Lee. It's just a matter of when. We're racking up the guests. It's Houdini. It's Chuck. This is The Chatter.